16. We're in the middle of the chapter, and this will be a little different today. First of all, and, and I can tell you from first service, this actually really truly will be shorter. And uh, not that you're worried about it, but just so you know. Um, but I also, we're going to take a little different journey after a certain point in this day. The disciples, I'm going to read you verse 16 through 19 and then talk about it. A little while and you will not see me. And again, a little while and you will see me because I go to the Father. And then some of his disciples said among themselves, what is this that he says to us? A little while you'll not see me and again a little while and you will see me. And because I go to the Father... They said, therefore, what is that that he says a little while? We do not know what he's saying. Now Jesus knew that they desired to ask him, and he said to them, Are you inquiring among yourselves about what I said a little while, and you will not see me, and again a little while, and you will see me? Now he's going to say more, but we'll stop there. And it kind of reminds me of that story, and I know some of you probably heard the, 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 the two little boys, they were, oh, I don't know, seven and nine and and their mother was at her wits end they were so incorrigible they were just not encouraging <laughs> incorrigible <laughs> and they just would rise to whatever level and like after the second neighbor's window got a baseball through it again she was she just marched her boys down made an appointment marched her boys down to the church down the street and took him in wanted the priest to talk to him so she sits him down the priest comes out come on in boys And the boys go in and sit down in these two chairs, and the priest sits across from them and says, Boys, tell me, where is God? And the older boy kind of back in his chair, head up straight. Nothing. They're just sitting there. The little guy kind of like doesn't know what to do. And, And the priest says again, Boys, tell me, where is God? And the older boy's eyes got so big, and he finally hits his brother and says, Jimmy, come on, let's get out of here. They lost God, and they're trying to pin it on us. <laughs> they lost God, and they're trying to pin it on us, you know. And, and uh, as far-fetched as that little boy's thought about what he's being asked was, what these guys are being told, they're pretty, they're pretty out, to, out to lunch on it, too. I mean, I picture them all wearing... Um, you know, the Jerusalem Yankees baseball caps, and they all got their caps off, and they're scratching their heads going, what's this he's saying? Well, he has just told them that the Holy Spirit's going to come and lead you into all truth. He's going to take what is mine and give it to you. But before that can happen, the things that are coming need to happen that he's talking about. And for them, for these disciples, this is baffling. But for you and I, this is history. For them, it's baffling. For us, it's, it's history. You know, he's going to go from that garden, which they're approaching the garden spot and the garden time. They're actually on their way or already there. He's going from the garden to be taken and taken to the high priest's house and abused, then sent over to Pilate and abused more. Pilate will send him to Herod, who will abuse him more. Send him back to Pilate, who will abuse him more by sending him to the cross to the cries of crucify him, crucify him. And they're going to watch all this unfold. And Jesus is going to go to the cross, and from the cross they will take him to the tomb and bury him. And on the third day he does what? 
Oh, you can say it loud. Well, on the third day, he does what? Rise. He says, you should, you get his chance, you know, <laughs> say rise, say it. He rises from the dead. He's seen to be seen of them for 40 days of his disciples, and then he will ascend with angels before him to the right hand of the Father where he ever lives, lives continuously, making intercession, being intercession for you and I, the, the connection we have, and he'll send us his Holy Spirit. You see, these guys had celebrated the feast of first fruits all their lives. See, what we have in the Jewish calendar of, of their high holidays, their feasts, begins with Passover, right? And the Feast of Unleavened Bread for eight days. But during that time, from the Passover, after the Passover, the, the Passover Sabbath, whatever day the Sabbath is right after and connected to the Passover, the very next day, what's the next day after a Sabbath? What's the Sabbath day in Israel? Sabbath. So what's the very next day? Sunday. That makes a little connection there. The very first day after the Passover Sabbath is the Feast of First Fruits, the gathering in of your first harvest. Then 50 days later, after Passover and all this, comes the Feast of Pentecost. So they have celebrated first fruits all their lives, but they've never celebrated one like this. Listen, in Corinthians, we're told, and this is just one spot where we hear the term Christ, our first fruits. If in this life only, Corinthians 15, we have hope in Christ, we are of all men the most pitiable. But now Christ is risen from the dead and has become the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep or died. And so you'll find spots where it talks about Christ being our first fruits because he's the fulfillment of every Jewish high holiday. He's the fulfillment of everything the Old Testament speaks of. He's the answer. He's the celebration. He's the point. And they've never seen it like it's coming. But right now, what's he saying? What is he saying? He says, continues on most assuredly verse 20 i say to you that you will weep and lament but the world will rejoice and you will be sorrowful but your sorrow will be turned into joy a woman when she is in labor has sorrow because her hour has come but as soon as she's given birth to the child she no longer remembers the anguish for joy that a human being that a child has been born into the world therefore you now have sorrow but I will see you again, and your heart will rejoice, and your joy no one will take from you. You know, in the Bible it says that one day is with the Lord is as a thousand years, and a thousand years is as a day. Isn't it amazing if you've ever taken a, had a great day somewhere that you love to go your favorite spot? Or if he had even a week, let's say, for a vacation and the weather was perfect and you got to do all the fun things you love. You know, that pinochle convention you like to go to. <laughs> you know, you get to go outside and, you know, water surf and ski, jet ski and whatever it was you wanted to do. And you're with people you love and everybody's having a good time and good food and all that stuff, and it's like you get there, and it seems like immediately you're on your way home. You know, a great day or a great week seems like it goes by like that. I've had those kind of weeks, have you? I've had those kind of days. 
But then I've also had other kinds of days. The day my father died when I was 15. That was a day that seemed like it was a thousand years long. That week seemed like a thousand years. Do you understand what I'm saying? A day can be, I mean, I understand what it means in God's economy that time means nothing to him. But I also think that there's a sense sometimes where you would say a day you've gone through felt like a thousand years. It was a long, long, long day. Now, Times moves fast when you're having a good time, and it seems to, to move painfully, amazingly slow when your circumstances are otherwise. You, but here's what he says. You'll wait. It'll be painful. And then suddenly, suddenly, just like birth, like labor pains. And he didn't wait for a woman. There was no women in the room to say, wait a minute, I, I beg to differ with you. <laughs> that all the sorrow, all the pain is gone. Well, truly, ladies... No guy here has ever felt your labor pain that we've talked about. We don't know what that's like, but everybody here has experienced some kind of excruciating pain. The thing is, can any of us actually remember physical pain to actually feel the exact pain? I don't think we can. Now, I can't speak for everyone, but I don't think you can. You can remember, oh, that hurts so bad, but you don't have that feeling of the pain. Emotional pain is different. Emotional pain, unless it's been fully dealt with in your life, and even if it's been dealt with in a wonderful way, if you think about it long enough, you can live it again. And again, and again. You can feel that pain. I believe that God created us in his image after his likeness. We're a complex being we are. And we're deep within our inner person. And right now, some of you are not wanting to, and I'm not asking you to relive your pain, but, but you can feel exactly what you felt when it happened if it hasn't been dealt with or if it's been too closer to it. And emotional pain can be recalled fully, but it doesn't have to cripple us. Jesus also said in, earlier in John 7, He who believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. And the word heart there speaks of inner person is another translation. The deepest part of who you are, the place where you think, where you feel, and where you make choices, the seat of your soul, the very essence of who you are. Out of the place where you can feel the greatest pain, is the place where Jesus wants to meet you and turn your sorrow into joy. Not just move the sorrow away, but turn it into joy. I don't know that everything in life happens the way it happens for uh, these disciples with the cross of Christ and his suffering becoming their joy because of his taking their sin, which is done for all of us. This is true for us. But I do know that Jesus said, out of your inner person where you feel things the deepest, he knows how to turn sorrow into joy. I believe in the place of deepest pain, God sends his Holy Spirit, and, and he wants to meet us there. And uh, uh, in John chapter 2, John's filled with these kind of things. Jesus doesn't say, Put, push the water away, and on abracadabra, here's wine. He, he turns water into wine. He changes the nature of something that has one content to it. One uh, kind of um, 
um, uh, uh, formation to it. I, have, I don't have the word I want, you know. Geniuses can never come up with the real word they really want. Uh, <laughs> and they're afraid they'll go over your heads. But anyway, the, 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 it's the, the, the nature of it changes into something else. Well, how can that happen with the things that have crippled me with pain and suffering? Well, I don't know that he makes that thing joyful. I don't know that. I do know that because it's where I need him to meet me. It's, it's, it's the deepest part of who I am. I mean, I could remember joyful moments in my life, and I've shared this before, but this is worthy right now. I can remember the highest points of my life, and they're very comforting and wonderful. But I don't feel them. Honestly, I don't feel them with this extreme intensity. But when I think about my pain, the intensity can come in a way that is hard to explain. Am I right for you, too? Even if you have joyful memories, I'm not knocking that. The deeper part of you is where you suffer. And the deeper part of you is where Jesus wants to bond with you and work with you and free you. Don't run away from it. Don't let Pastor Rick try to force you to do something about it, but, but I'm not. I just want to identify it here because your sorrow will be turned to joy, he said. Your sorrow will be turned to joy. And I believe that while it isn't that everything bad that's happened has become a joyful thing, but Jesus has met me in those moments. And I believe he's met many of you. And as he goes on, and what I, what I want to do is, is, what can I say or do to see this happen in my life? What can you and I do to see this happen in our lives? Well, we can believe God. We need to believe God, yes. But we need to welcome him to that place. We do need to welcome him. It's helpful. Let me put it that way. The rest of the verses that I want to read, verse 23, when he talks about your joy is going to be, your sorrow is going to be turned to joy, 23 and 24, and we'll stop. And in that day you will ask me nothing. Most assuredly, I say to you, whatever you ask the Father in my name, he will give it to you. Until now you've asked nothing in my name. Ask and you will receive that your joy may be full. So Jesus is doing something in where he's going and what he's doing, he's doing something that's going to allow us to go directly to the Father and ask for anything that we really need and have confidence that we're going to receive it. Is that what it says? There's no way to misinterpret that. You may, in the sense that what you need, God wants to give you. And Jesus is comforting and assuring these guys that it will happen. This is what Jesus is doing through his cross. And I have, um, I have what do you call it, um, held back a few words in my tenure here to share about the cross of Jesus Christ. Have we talked a lot about the cross here at this church? Do we talk about the cross basically every week in some way or another? Believe me, I'm not preparing to change direction and no longer talk about the cross. But I don't want to talk about the cross today. I don't want to tell you things about the cross. I want us to go to the cross. And I have no desire to make anyone, but I want to provide an avenue for you and me and us. And if it's one person whose life is affected by this, hallelujah, 
And if it's 20 or 30 or whatever, hallelujah. But I want you to have a picture in your mind. It doesn't come from me explaining it, but from us doing it. You don't have to do anything. I'm not asking you that you have to do anything. What you can do is listen to the verses that I share, because we're going to go to the seven sayings of cross of Christ on the cross. And I actually have pieces of paper that have what I'm going to pray in about each one, basically on those papers that you can take and kind of have your own time with the Lord about. Because as I was preparing on Tuesday already, on Tuesday it was very clear to me, and I'll let the Lord say whether I was right on or not. I don't worry about that. He'll tell you whether it helps you or not. But I know that I was led to the seven sayings that Jesus spoke, the things he said as he hung on that cross. And I was led to consider praying in those things as they apply to my life, and I think for you to your life. And so what we're going to do is I'm going to read those verses to you, and then I'm going to lead prayer. I don't mean where we're all going to start praying out loud. I'm just going to pray out loud. You can tune me out and pray your own prayer. You can listen carefully and agree. And you can take it from there and see where the Lord leads you. Which one of these is God speaking to you today, today, right now? Which one of these or two of these or whatever is God wanting to bring to bear to meet you in the deepest place of your heart? How arrogant of me to think that I could lead you there? I can't. But I can provide, like when Jesus told the disciples, make them sit down in groups of 50 before they ever saw the provision of the bread, the disciples just had the people sit so God could meet their need. I'm just having us sit together and trusting God to meet your need. And I'd rather pray it than try to teach it. So, if you'll join with me, the first thing Jesus said on the cross, number one, and remember, these are written down for you, and, and you can grab them. I think they're at the back table there. I'll make sure if you're interested after Jesus hung on that cross where our sins were paid where the penalty and the power of sin was broken and the first thing he said is that we understand is father forgive them for they do not know what they do Luke 23:34 father forgive them for they do not know what they do the first words he spoke is why he came and what he can do in any life that will allow him so let's pray. Father, show me. Show me, Lord. Show me the truth and the power of forgiveness. Show me the reality of forgiveness. Do in me what I cannot do on my own, which is forgive others as I've been forgiven and understand and believe that I am truly and fully and freely forgiven. Lord, let me see both how much I'm forgiven and how I'm able to freely forgive. Make that reality meet me in the deepest part where I have the most trouble to give these things to you. Meet me here. Meet me now. I commit to this, the way of Jesus. Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they do. Number two, Luke 23, 43. 
Truly I say to you, today you will be with me in paradise. To a man who had no opportunity to make restitution for his sins, a man that had no way to go and tell anyone he was sorry or fix a thing, today, truly I tell you, you will be with me in paradise. God, my soul aches over things I've done that I cannot fix. My soul aches over the things I've done that I can't make right or fix. Let your Holy Spirit come and wash me of my guilt and failure. Let your Holy Spirit come and cleanse me and free me from the condemnation I feel of those who hold it against me what I've done. Turn my sorrow into joy. Let heaven's hope be in me. Let heaven's hope be real in me right now. I trust in your word to sinners. I trust that your word to this man was meant for my ears and was meant for my heart and was meant for my failure and was meant for my inability to fix the things that cannot be fixed. In Jesus' name. The third saying of Christ. Jesus said to his mother in John 19, Woman, this is your son. Pointing to John. Then he said to the disciple, This is your mother. Hmm. Father, we see that Jesus brought a relationship together, built a family right before the cross, at the foot of the cross. And we pray that where relationships can be restored in our lives, where you can build or rebuild or repair what we can't fix that can be done, you would do that in our lives and relationships. Bring me and those who can be brought with me into a relationship that is built upon your cross, the cross of Jesus Christ. Lord, don't let me resist or fight it. I can't do it on my own, but Lord, I do pray that you would build relationships in my life and rebuild relationships at the foot of the cross where you have paid the price. Number four. Matthew 27, Mark 15. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Lord Jesus, I believe you absolutely know my pain. You really do. You suffered my loss. You have felt my loneliness in a greater way than I could ever possibly imagine. May I see that you have really taken my aloneness and my feeling of abandonment once and for all. I have no place to go but to you. I have no way to be free but in you. 
You said, why have you forsaken me to the Father? You experienced the darkness, not only of three hours of dark or six hours on a cross, but of, of the sense of eternal separation, of aloneness, of abandonment. You have felt and experienced for me any haunting feeling of these things. And let me somehow, through your cross, remember that you will never leave me, ever leave me, or forsake me. Let me believe that the times I don't understand, that I still can't figure out, are not there to cripple me from sensing your presence and knowing that you're with me. Lord, the only freedom I can hope for is the freedom in Jesus Christ. And it's the freedom I want. And it's the freedom I claim in Jesus' name. In John 19, Jesus said, I thirst. Some people think the shortest verse in the New Testament is Jesus wept. But the word I is shorter than Jesus, so this is the shorter verse. Oh, that was a whole verse. This is too. I thirst. Jesus, you not only took in your body my sin and its results, you also took the cravings, the craving that can so easily drown me in an ocean of sin. I know you've showed me this, Lord that you thirsted for many reasons, but one of them is you experienced a craving and a hunger, a passion, a thirst for something that was not going to fulfill you in that sense, that I might learn to be fulfilled in you and help me to turn from every craving I crave that leads me away from you. Make a change in my life through the cross and what you suffered that I would bring my thirsts and my hungers and my desires and my passions directly to you. Lord, you know how much I need this. David said, my soul thirsts for the living God. God, would you cause my soul to thirst for you? I would rather suffer the thirsting and hungering to find you in reality than the foolishness of just chasing my own dreams and self-satisfaction. Don't let me stay in that place, Lord. Take me to the cross. Take me to the answer to my thirst. Meet me in my cravings. Do a change in my life. In Jesus' name. In John 19, number 6, Jesus says, It is finished. It is finished. Lord, I accept that I don't need to and I cannot add to what you have done for me through Jesus' suffering. I can't add one thing to it I can't take anything from it. It's what you've done. You completed the work. I look to the cross and I confess that you have done what no one else could do, no one else would do in me, for me, and through me. It's all about what you've done. 
So, Lord, I claim rest for my soul. I claim what you have purchased for me. I claim the peace that you have left for me. You said, my peace I leave with you. God, the way that, that I run around and get anxious and nervous and try to fix things and fulfill things and get stuff done, not out of a strength that you give to be faithful, but out of an anxiety and fear of missing or sense of insecurity. Lord, just wash it away from me. You said it's finished and bowed your head. You said it's finished all that was needed to cause us to have peace, to live in your peace. Lord, accomplish your full work in us and me. In Jesus' name. Finally, Jesus cried out in a loud voice. Interesting. For all the things he said, he cried out in a loud voice. Father, into your hands I commit or commit or commend my spirit. Luke 23. God, I put my life in your hands, in the nail-scarred hands of Jesus. I belong to you. My life, my life, for better or worse, is not my own. I don't know if you can say that with me, but I'm going to say it again. You do whatever you want or don't want, but God, I belong to you. My life, for better or worse, is not my own, but it is yours. I will trust you with my past. I will trust you with my present. And I will trust you with my future. And God, I cannot leave any of those out. I'm going to say it again. I trust you with my past. I trust you with my present. And I trust you with my future. And I cannot trust you by leaving any of those out. Into your hands I give my spirit. Father, Jesus said that we would ask and receive from you. And we ask you for these things. We also believe that you've given us these things by Jesus' action and words. And we express these words in faith. And we take your communion in obedience to you, Almighty God, Infinite Creator, Heavenly Father, Savior of my soul, my thoughts, my will, my emotions, my past, my pain. It's yours in Jesus' name. Amen. The girls are going to come up.
we're going to lead a song as in we're in the middle of the song. You can feel free to come and the lights will go down and you can take communion. And you can seal, you can seal your words or prayer if you prayed with me, if you prayed your own prayer there. You can join in celebration that you can go to the cross. You have no place else you need to go but directly to the cross of Jesus Christ. And when that is made clear to us, it is a path. It is a path to release. And my job for me is to make sure to the best of my ability that I get on the path. God has to carry me. It's not by the bootstraps of my strength and my inner fortitude that I do this. It's simply... That's, there's no place else to go. This is where I'm going. Don't, you don't have to be Superman. You don't have to be Superwoman. But until you see that you have no place else to go, you will go other places. If you have other options, you will use them. And only God can make it clear to you that you've got no place else to go. And your mind is not the place to go. Your thoughts, your, your past, the place to go is the cross of Jesus Christ. Let's have the lights down. Lord, we adore thy boundless grace, the heights and the depths unknown of pardon, life and joy beloved son come all ye pining hungry poor the Savior's bounty taste behold a never failing store for every willing guest oh wondrous gifts of love divine source of every good. Jesus, in thee would glory shine, how rich life flowing blood. Come all ye pining, hungry poor, the Savior's bounty taste. Behold a never-failing store, Shall your numerous wants receive 
Jesus. Is that what you really want, Rick? More than anything? Because whatever else is ahead of that is clouding our vision. Whatever else is ahead of seeing Jesus is clouding our vision. This is a work of the Holy Spirit. This is where God breaks your heart. Our hearts are going to get broken by many things in life, but when God breaks our heart, it's to break it open that he can pour his love in and let us see Jesus. And Lord, we cry out, let us see Jesus, let us see Jesus, let us see Jesus. May people actually say, wow, you guys are fanatics. May they actually say that <laughs> because they, because we're so in love with you. And you take care of figuring it, helping them figure it out. Because, Lord, we want to love you with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. And we just are going to trust that you are working much more than we are. And that you are completing. And, Lord, carry us. We thank you for this day and for each other. For those who haven't been specifically mentioned but have great challenges right now how you would meet those needs physically, emotionally, spiritually, mentally, in every way. Jehovah Jireh, that you would be strong in each person's behalf. And Lord, I pray you bring us together again for testimonies of great things you've done. In Jesus' name, amen.